Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. Ooh, sultry butter. It's like <laughs> butter in your e-holes. <laughs> Can you imagine actually, like, taking, you know, like the hot butter you get with uh, lobster? Just taking yeah. that and, like, pouring that down your ear canal? That would be, like, the most painful thing in the world. <sighs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> I've just discovered a new form of torture. Butterboarding. <laughs> Butterboarding. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Um, Gosh. It's one way to start an episode, I guess. Right. Um, so, for this episode, we want to talk about uh, songs where the person or people singing um, in the lyrics actually reference other singers. And there's a number of different reasons that this can happen. Sometimes that person died, or sometimes they're just shouting out to someone they like, or maybe yeah. someone they don't like. Someone they have respect for, or that they have hater feelings for. They drink in that haterade, you know? It's not that uncommon for someone to shout out, like, an actual person that exists in real life, but mm-hmm. it's rare enough that we decided to make an episode about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we did some extensive research and compiled a list of uh, artists that mention other artists for different reasons. And so, with that in mind, I'm going to attempt to hearken back to the butterboarding comment. Um, For those of you that don't remember what I just said one and a half minutes ago. uh, (laughs) To reference our first song, because listening to this song is like having butter poured down your ear canals but not in the way that it's, like, sultry and smooth, in the way that it's, like, painful and you'll probably lose your hearing. Yay. Yeah. Okay, so I guess to better describe this, this first song that I picked is Charlie Puth featuring Megan Trainer, and it's a song called Marvin Gaye. And the entire reason that I picked this song is so that I can rant about it for about three minutes because I hate both of these artists. And we all love it, Kyle, when you rant about things. I know, because I'm a good ranter. So, this guy, Charlie Puth, I I think he became famous because he sang part of the chorus in that song that was at the end of that Fast and Furious movie, the one where Paul Walker dies, and they play that Mm -hmm. song at the end, and everyone's like, it's so sad. Um, So they're emotional about Paul Walker, so they like whoever sang the song. Exactly, exactly. It's like, it's, it's... Uh, fondness by association I suppose Hmm. so this Charlie Puth guy who's like he's like he's like Justin I think he's a little bit older than Justin Bieber but he's in that same category of like boy pop Hmm. and he um, for those of you that don't know Megan Trainor she sang that song all about that bass which is a glorification of overweight people I, I i shouldn't say that it's more of like a hey thick girls need love too they do that's true but um yeah her, her whole persona is around the i'm thick and fabulous kind of thing like a like aretha franklin but done terribly like aretha franklin owned herself she even had a song called the weight uh, <laughs> uh but aretha franklin i don't know she had more of a she had such a presence Whereas Megan Trainor is just like, Megan Trainor's like, if you took Adele, and then 
I totally am going to space on her name, but you know that that comedian with the blonde hair? I think she's like Australian or British or something, and she's in all those comedies recently, and she's kind of fat. I know who you're talking about, but I don't. I, I totally I forgot can't her think name. Of the name. I think she was in Pitch Perfect 2, and her character in that movie was called, like, Fat Betty or something. <laughs> I don't know. I well, maybe... while you keep talking about the song, maybe I'll try to research that. Yeah, because I'm probably way off base. Anyways, so this kid, Charlie Puth, who's featuring Megan Trainer, has a song called Marvin Gaye. And basically the only reason he has that is because in the chorus of his song, he says, Ooh, baby, let's make love and listen to Marvin Gaye or some shit. I don't know. Basically, he's associating the fact that Marvin Gaye's music is often associated with the act of lovemaking, and he's using it to describe his want to make love. So, I don't know if he just carries around Marvin Gaye records, like in like condoms instead of condoms in his wallet. He has like little Marvin Gaye. Like, I don't know. He has them on like a little sand disc thing. Oh, God. Little memory chips. Well, you have a quote from him, don't you? I do, yeah. So, in an uh, in one of the many interviews he's probably given about this song, he was asked uh, why and how Marvin Gaye inspires his music, to which he replied, quote, I listened to a lot of Marvin Gaye and Motown records. When I was making my record, I just wanted to make this soulful sound. When Marvin Gaye made his music, he evoked this feeling that would reach everybody. So, this little white kid wants to sound like Marvin Gaye. <laughs> he wants to he wants to get that Motown sound because, you know, he listened to one of his dad's Marvin Gaye records. I, uh... I, I'm notoriously... I notoriously stay away from pop music. I do too. Entirely. Um, but I have... This is actually a song I have heard once or twice. Nice. But it was a few months ago. And I remember not liking it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one here. But I don't remember it sounding Motowny. It, that's that's what's so funny is I've heard the song on a couple different pop stations. It doesn't sound at all like Motown or Soul. It sounds like completely artificial pop music that was probably like written and approved by seven different music executives, and then <laughs> just handed to him and be like, "Here, you're gonna sing about Marvin Gaye." Oh, okay. Hmm. Um. Let me look up the lyrics really quick so I can see okay. exactly how he references Marvin Gaye. And while you're doing that, I'll switch back to the last thing we were looking up. Oh, thank you. Um, that actress's name is Rebel Wilson. Thank you. I knew it was like a very odd name. Yeah, and she's from Australia. Oh, and, I called it. And her character in Pitch Perfect 2 was Fat Amy. Oh my god, I am much less off base than I usually am. I'm I'm happy with myself. Well, if I yeah. if I make up everything else in this episode, I'm at least vindicated in the fact that I didn't completely butcher Rebel Wilson's character in Pitch Perfect 2. So, back yeah, to I mean the, Fat Betty was pretty close to Fat Amy. Uh, yeah, true, true. Uh, isn't that kind of messed up though? Like I'm like I mean again, I'm not I'm not one of those like you know that I don't know what this new movement is with fat acceptance. I'm not one of those super like we have to accept everybody, no matter what their size, even if they're unhealthy. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of messed up to have a character who's on the heavy side in a movie, and it's like, oh, that's Fat Amy, that's Fat Betty. That's like having a black person be like, hey, that's Black Beth. 
<laughs> it's like, let's just add an adjective that describes that person in front of their name. That's that's Chinese yeah. that's Chinese Amy. I don't know. It feels it seems weird. Like, I mean, I, 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 they must be okay with it. I'm sure they are, and I'm roles. sure I'm sure there's some tongue in cheekness about it, or I don't know, or she's basically pulling a uh, Jenny McCarthy, not Jenny McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy's that weird lady, anyways. Or she's pulling a Melissa McCarthy and just doing the whole slapstick kind of playing up her weight and like haha funny stuff, you know. The, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, in the world of acting, I call it the Chris Farley. Take whatever you can get. Exactly. Um, the crisp. You know, okay. you know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, going back to, I guess, the lyrics of the song Marvin Gaye, the chorus is, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. You got the healing that I want. Just like they say it in the song, until dawn, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. <laughs> that is just beautiful music writing right I mean, there to each their own i guess it's not my that's like that's like how close can we get to the original lyrics of the song without having the gay family sue us yeah you think they would have learned a lesson from uh what's his face oh, after like that yeah three year very, lawsuit. very good point actually very good point i don't know we'll see if something comes about from that i would laugh so hard if that happened again. <laughs> yeah exactly so yes um Charlie Puth's song, Marvin Gaye, since I've bitched about it for about 10 minutes now, I think we should probably listen to a little clip of it so I can shut up. So that you listeners can hate it too. You got the healing that I want Just like they say in the song Till the dawn, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on We got this king says to ourselves Don't have to share with no in this in, in this instance, I think this is more stepping on the toes of Marvin Gaye than any than anything What's His Face did. You know what I'm talking about? Like they. You they think su- this song is more? They well, okay. Mm-hmm. In a way of like they sued they sued the other guy whose name escapes me right now because his song sounded like a Marvin Gaye song. This kid, although his music doesn't sound like Marvin Gaye, is trying to make his name a euphemism for fucking. <laughs> That's kind of messed up. I'm sorry. That's a good point. Robin Thicke is the one who made the other song. Thank you. Which I forgot too. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, they're they're. He's, this kid's trying to make Marvin Gaye's name like a verb for getting literally getting it on. Like, although his mm. music is very sensual, he was so much more than that. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think if Marvin if if Marvin Gaye were alive, if he would be like cool with that. I don't think he would be. Be like, what is what does little kid talking about? Bill Weathers is going to like come down and slap the shit out of him <laughs> in Marvin Gaye's honor. Um, I forgot you, Bill Weathers is still alive. Dude, he's still kicking. He's, he's, honestly, he does not look bad. He was at the last um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he got inducted. He looks pretty darn good. Mm. I mean, he's old, and I, I don't think he can carry some of those notes he could before, but he's, he doesn't look bad at all for his age. That's cool. Which is funny because, as we know, he was not a young man when he even started his career. He was like in his thirties. So yeah, now he's like ancient. He's no, <laughs> he's probably in his late seventies. But yeah, he's no youngster. Yeah. So yeah, um, enough bitching about Charlie Puth. What's the next song that we have to bitch about, Peter? <laughs> the next song we're going to bitch about is called "Marvin and Chardonnay" by Big Sean. This song 
was produced by Pop Wansel and Mike Dean. I don't know who those people are. I have no idea. Okay. Um, well, this is apparently a sex ode, and it's, <laughs> it's the, third, the third single um, from Big Sean's debut set, uh, Finally Famous, the album. Which is uh, I like really, that you ha- I like that you have to announce that on your album. Like, hey, even though this album has no metric yet to measure any sort of sales, I'm finally famous. Because you know you don't become famous until your third album. Yeah, how does releasing a debut album make you famous? I have no idea. Okay, I love how we're just like tearing everybody apart. This week. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm in a bitchy mood. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, let's see. So um, he was actually talking to MTV News about this song. And he said, quote, it's kind of another day in the life, man, but it's just like, you know, when you with your lady and you got those special times, all you really need is that Marvin Gaye and that Chardonnay. (laughs) Uh, Uh, A voice for generation. Yeah. Once again, Marvin Gaye being associated with his sensual music. It's. I think what frustrates me about that is like, although I appreciate a lot of Marvin Gaye's later music, like "Let's Get It On," and how, mm-hmm. and the, the the sexual nature that was applied to it, he came out with "What's Going On," which is probably one of the greatest protest albums of all time, and yet everyone remembers yeah. him as, "Hey, that guy has a bunch of songs that you know people have sex to." It's like yeah, I mean, he was no like a one, social activist and everything. No one, no one remembers him for like his complete like social activism. Yeah, speaking out against the Vietnam War at a time when no one from Motown did that, and even yeah. Barry Gordy was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And yet, everyone. <laughs> to be like, fair, he said that about everything. Touche. And he is like just continually remembered as like you know the the sexy let's put this music on before we make love guy. I don't know. It makes me it annoys me. That reminds me, wasn't there gonna? Wasn't there some talk a year or two ago about possibly making a biopic? I think that got squashed by the gay family. I, I don't. I think they wouldn't uh, give him the rights to use his music. So unless it became like a, you know, biopic about, you know, Mervin Guy instead of Marvin Gay, and you know, <laughs> I don't think it would have worked. So they don't even want him like portrayed in a positive way. I don't. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. Oh, that's too bad. But that's the problem with biopics, and especially in the music industry like that, is when the rights are owned by, you know, some other entity. is like, unless you portray that entity in, like, this saint-like light, you know, no one's going to give you the rights to their music because they'll be like, oh, you're slandering them. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't show someone for, all, for, the, for who they were, good and bad. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, uh... So yeah. I'm looking at the lyrics for Marvin... Is it just called Marvin and yeah Marvin and Chardonnay? Um, all, there's, it also says like who sings all the different verses and stuff. So there's mm-hmm. there's Big Sean, there's Roscoe Dash, and there's Kanye West. Oh God. Um. But yeah, these lyrics are kind of awesome, terrible. I I'm just scrolling through them. I noticed that marijuana every morning is a line. What? And I didn't realize that marijuana can be turned into a verb. <laughs> but I'm not surprised. No, not not at all. That's pretty funny. Um, here here's a here's a what do they call it? A verse? Sorry, I'm dumb. Oh no, maybe it says it's the hook. This is sung by Roscoe Dash. It says, Early in the morning, when she's all alone, 
I'm gonna take my time, do it how we want it, just to set the mood, girl. I bought some Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay, so just let the song play. The long way, the strong way, it's our day, it's our way. This was all inspired by a little Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay. <laughs> that's all That's all you need. <laughs> Followed directly by verse 2, sung by Kanye West. Hold up, talk to the talk to the hand. Bitch, you talking to a grown-ass man. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like way, way, way too much up in your pants for us not to make the bed squeak. There goes the bed sheets. Everybody rip the swag off before I rip the tag off. Why my pants sag off? Because I'm wrapping my ass off. Flow so ugly, money so handsome. This the fucking anthem, get it? The fucking anthem. This is a terrible song. <laughs> what has music become? <laughs> what did I just read? <laughs> uh, I think you've just, just I think you've just pinpointed the downfall of our society. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what did I just read? Well. Oh, my God. Now we'll, now we'll let our listeners it's take so, a quick break from us. Yeah. Here, it, it, we'll just play it, and then you can say yeah. that. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was amazing. It's so funny though because, like, we we bitch about new rap, and I mean, I'm 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 a bit prejudiced. I like old school rap. I like stuff from you know the '80s, '90s. But then when I really take a step back and listen to like old school rap, like original rap, as opposed to modern rap, it's yeah. it's not any better. It's always like you know. Some guy rapping about, like, you know, I went to the store, I bought some milk. They were out of milk, so I bought some chocolate milk. <laughs> you know, like... I would listen to that. It's, I mean, the thing I've noticed about, like, really, like, the beginning of rap is that it's almost... It's basically since the very beginning, it's been like, hey, I'm the greatest, I have this expensive car, I have all the ladies. It's always been that way from the very, very beginning. I, I mean, look, but also, yeah, look at Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. But aside from that, even listening to like a few different artists from that era, like half the time the lyrics are the exact same. They're just like using it from each other. Dude, and so lyrically, like there's not much variety. I kid time. you not, and I and I I never I still want to research exactly why this is. Someone who knows more about the history of rap can tell me. There mm-hmm. was a verse that oh I got I'm not I'm totally gonna space on the lyrics of the verse, but there was a verse that I heard in three different songs one by Snoop Dogg one by Dre and one by either Tupac or Biggie I don't remember Biggie oh mm-hmm. it was the it was the verse where it's like Biggie 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 can't you see oh yeah sometimes your words electrify me but hypnotize I, thank you hypnotize thank you but I hear that exact same verse in a Snoop Dogg song they just replaced Biggie with Snoop Dogg and in like a Dr. Dre song which you know Dre and Snoop Dogg oh. were always you know two peas in a pod but I'm just like were they just ripping the shit off each other because they didn't like each other? Because West Coast, East Coast. I was like, so, what's going on? What were they sampling it, or were they just re-singing it? They were completely name? re-singing that that uh, chorus from Hypnotize with Snoop Dogg's name instead of Biggie. It was like Snoopy, Snoopy, Snoopy. Can't you see? 
you know? I was like, what the fuck am I? I feel like I'm going crazy. That's really bizarre. So I guess they still do that. I was going to say, someone who knows the history of that, please let us know on our Facebook page, because I don't know why that is, but it was freaking me out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um... Okay, well... Anyways, I digress. That's my rap. So we, we've bitched about two songs now, On extensively, men- that both mention Marvin Gaye. Yeah. What's our next song, Kyle, and who does it mention? Um, our next song is Halftime by Amy Winehouse, and it mentions Frank Sinatra. This one I didn't pick so much for who it mentioned, but because Amy Winehouse is kind of a jet, was kind of like a jazzy, solely person. Mm. Frank Sinatra, he's Frank Sinatra. But... Um, <laughs> This song, which, you know, surprise, surprise, was a sad song about heartache because, you know, Amy Winehouse, she was like, she was like Taylor Swift where she constantly sang about, like, heartache and breakups, but could actually, like, walk the walk of that because mm-hmm. drugs and shit. Yeah. But um, the song is basically talking about when she first met this guy, Salam Remy, who she worked with. Uh, on previous albums, Frank and Back to Black. And this was recorded during August 2002 during her sessions in Frank, but I guess it missed, it, it didn't end up on that record. But, um, oh, but the song ended up on the f- preceding record, which ended up having the same title of the song, Halftime. Okay, that's confusing. Okay. That took me a sec. Um, anyways, so, uh, I guess the, what do you call it? the lyrics that mentioned him is basically just saying, quote, and when Frank Sinatra sings, it's too much to take, he pacifies my ache. Mm. Uh, let's imagine Frank Sinatra with a pacifier in his mouth. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, so she was saying that, like, in in her times of heartache, she, she listens, listens to, to Frank Sinatra, exactly. Interesting. Do I hear a kitty? Or is that yes, something else? sorry. No, I love, I love background kitty. <laughs> uh... Anyways, so, yeah, I mean, no, I don't have any hate for Amy Winehouse or Frank Sinatra, so I won't really bitch about this. It's just mm. one that happened to come up in my research, and I was like, hey, I like Amy Winehouse, and we don't talk about her that much, so, yay. Do we know why it's called Halftime? I don't know. She got sad during halftime of the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, I can... It's a good time to get sad, I guess. <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm out of, I'm out of Tostitos. <laughs> Let me write a song. <laughs> No, but that's a good time to be out of Tostitos, because then you have time to go get more before the game continues. My lyrics revealing some natural vibe. It's it's a kind of laid-back feeling. Oh, just let it ride. I think she's talking about drugs. <laughs> halftime, time to think it through. Consider the change. Oh, so maybe it's like halftime in a relationship. Like, you get to take a break. You step away from it. You come back. Mm. You win the game. So, it's probably... But maybe, maybe she doesn't come back. Well, she died, so... Well, okay. <laughs> Peter, you're so insensitive, damn it. Oh, boy. So, yeah, well, that was uh, Halftime by A.B. Winehouse. Here's another song and an artist that we don't hate. 
Yay. Which is always something to celebrate on funk radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stevie Wonder with his song Master Blaster. I guess this is a tribute to Bob Marley. I never knew that. I but, didn't either. That's why I thought it was interesting. It's kind of interesting, yeah. Um, but I, I guess the reason that Stevie Wonder wrote this for Bob Marley is because um, Marley was battling cancer at the time. Um, I guess he injured his toe playing soccer in 77. It did became infected, but he refused to have it amputated due to his Rastafarian beliefs. And then think, that led to cancer. I think it's kind of similar to Jehovah's Witnesses not wanting to do blood transfusions. It's like a right. religious thing, you know, which is, I don't know, it's kind of a shame, but... Yeah. So he injured his toe, it became infected, and that turned into cancer? Um, depending, because I know H, uh, HPV, human papillomavirus, is a type of infection that can lead to cancer. It could be something similar to that. Damn. That's unfortunate. Yeah, seriously. Jeez. And then, I guess Bob Marley died in 1981. I Was that related? I guess it must uh, have He been. died fairly soon after the song came out. Uh, let me find out when the song came out. Uh, 1980, so yeah. Everyone's feeling pretty. It's hotter than July. Through the words full of problems. They couldn't touch us even if they tried. I'm totally butchering the song. You know who didn't butcher this song? Steve Stevie Wonder. Wonder. Let's listen to it. So I guess this cancer, I guess, is what led to his death because I have a hard time imagining that he was battling cancer and then a year later died of something else. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make sense. Although, I don't remember exactly the timeline of when it happened. He was also, a, had a, did have an attempted assassination. Someone I vaguely remember that, yeah. But, luckily, bullets don't lead to cancer. <laughs> Unluckily, uh, other things do. <laughs> but, uh... Apparently, yeah, I, injuring your toe does. It's kind of scary. So did Stevie Wonder kind of pull a Snoop Dogg and go through like a Rasta phase because he also has that song Boogie on a Reggae Woman. That is true. Yeah, I I, I always did wonder at least slightly about why like, he decided to do one or two reggae-ish songs. This Master Blaster being one of them. But I mean, at least now we know why this one was. Uh, I think he just um, Snoop Dogg and went reggae for a while. When was... um. Boogie on a Reggae Woman. Yeah, I'm just gonna look up what year that was. That came. In. This that was '74. Oh wow! So that was a number of years before. Actually, that was like six years before this one. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just enjoyed that genre enough to do it one or two songs in that style. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I were in a band, every so often I would want to do a reggae-ish type song. It'd be exactly. kind of fun. Moving on, another artist we don't hate. Um, I think we've even talked about this song before. It sounds familiar. Familiar enough that I think we talked about it. Is uh, Night Shift by the Commodores. Have we? We must have talked. I think we actually, yeah, I'm really, I'm really sure that we have talked about this. Okay. At least once. So we don't have to, uh, God knows what episode that was. We're 129 episodes into, the sh- into our <laughs> funk careers. 
one thirty, actually. Oh snap! I'm off by because we went we went slightly out of order. That's right. Hey, the big one thirty. Woo! <laughs> so, um, I guess I never really knew this. I mean, again, I don't pay attention to song lyrics probably nearly as much as I should. But <laughs> this uh, song was a tribute to singers Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson, both who died in 1984. Uh, Marvin Gaye, for those of you that don't know and lived under a rock, was known for songs like Charlie Puth's Let's Get It On and Sexual Healing. God. <laughs> Jackie Wilson uh, was an R&B singer known for his stirring performances in songs like Lonely Teardrops. Wilson was 49 when he died. Marvin Gaye was 44. Fun fact, uh, what, from what I learned in the Motown musical that I saw, uh, Barry, Barry Gordy got his career helping write songs for uh, Jackie Wilson. Really? In the, ver- in the very early 60s. Wow. I didn't know that, actually. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's cool. But, yeah, both of those artists very obviously are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for those right. of you that don't know. Um, oh, but, I'm uh, just remembering who Jackie Wilson is, because, like, I know a few of his... Drops. Yeah. Yeah. He, does, he has some good songs. He had another really good song... I, I love the song and I totally always forget the name of it but yeah um, one of the lyrics is like you know higher and higher that too no it's it's kind of a dark song it's about uh this girl who's like you know kind of being unfaithful to him and he's like you know if uh if you mess around I'm gonna have to put you down or something and I was like damn I just imagine like Shotgun huh. Double Tap or something. Jeez. Let me look up the, that song. It's going to drive me nuts now. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, I actually did... I mean, obviously, because I, I ended up looking it up at some point a while back, but I, I did actually know that Night Shift was a tribute to Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson. I um, I'm dumb. It's funny that this is the third, and I think... Marvin Gaye. Yeah. This is the the third Marvin Gaye reference that we've gotten that's impressive a lot of people like him apparently yeah. I wonder why um, because I'm OCD and I have to look stuff up all the time the Jackie Wilson song is called Dogging Around where it's like oh, okay. if you keep on dogging around I'm gonna have to put you down if you don't stop like, yeah I'm gonna have to put you down I'm just like shit it's like old yeller or something <laughs> uh, it's um, like but well, bitch, you got rabies. Cha-ching. <laughs> That's one way to interpret that song. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson, like we said, both died in 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, this song, Night Shift, came out in 85. So, it was, I guess it was pretty timely. Yeah, posthumous. When it came out. Posthumous. Which probably helped its, uh, helped its popularity since they basically both just died. Mm-hmm. Oh, and apparently they recorded another version in 2010 dedicating it to Michael Jackson. Aww. <laughs> I, I just thought of something really fucking terrible. I'm going to hell. I was like, they called the new version White Shift because it shifted <laughs> to white. <laughs> oh my uh, god, that's amazing. God, I'm just going. I'm so. I need to stop having these terrible thoughts. <laughs> In all fairness, we've said worse things on this show. T- touche. Kitty thinks so, too. Yeah. 
Kitty's like, feed me. White shift. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. What would we do without you, Kyle? I don't know. Um, so, next song. We have two more songs we're going to talk about. So if you listeners are waiting... <laughs> if you listeners are waiting for us to be done, then we only got two more left. So hang in there. Okay. The last one I'm going to talk about is called Rock and Roll Heaven by the Righteous Brothers. This song uh, talks about numerous music stars who died too young. So, whereas most of these only talk about one, uh, except for the last one, which talked about two different people, uh, this one apparently has several. Uh, in their first verse, it says, Jimmy gave us rainbows, which is referencing Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and then it says, Janice took a piece of our hearts, referencing Janice Joplin. Otis took us all to the dock of the bay, which is obviously Otis Redding. And then remember, Jim that way is Jim Morrison. In the second verse, it says Jimmy touched us with that song, which is Jim Croce, and Bobby gave us Mac the Knife, which is Bobby Darren. So that's a lot of people. And I guess they're talking about who's up in rock and roll heaven. Fun fact, Janis Joplin, um, Jim Morrison, and Jimi Hendrix died all within eight months of each other. And they all died at 27. Wow, that's really bizarre yeah there's like this weird is if you look this up this is a weird phenomenon where a ton of different artists and musicians and actors ended up dying often usually either by suicide or some form of overdose at the age of 27 it's really um, freaky didn't sam cook maybe it was slightly different age he was 30s i believe or early 30s but uh kurt cobain died Uh. at 27 too Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like this really freaky phenomenon that, like, where people think it's, like, some weird conspiracy. You know. Like chemtrails. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Sam Cooke was 33. For some reason, I remember him being a lot younger. Uh, it's not that far off. Yeah. I mean, 33 is still not not dying of old age, but... Right, yeah. Hmm. Um, we know Otis Redding died in a plane crash. Yep. I believe. In, like, we Michigan or that. Wisconsin or something. I don't know how the rest of these people died. Jimi Hendrix died choking on his own vomit. Janice died of drugs. Uh, what's this? Jim Morrison, pretty much drugs. I don't know how Jim Croce or Bobby Darren died, unfortunately. That's for another episode of uh, <laughs> Artist Deaths, uh, version, <laughs> version 2. This time it's deadlier. Well, hey, I mean, the first one we did, well, a long time ago, was like one of our best episodes. True. It's depressing, but it was very well, it was one of the few that was actually well-researched. <laughs> well, why don't we take you listeners to Rock and Roll Heaven with this next song. Okay. Jimmy gave us rainbows, Janice took a piece of our heart, and Otis brought us all to the doctor. So the last song we have is kind of a departure from artists we normally talk about. It's the artist Fallout Boy, which was incredibly popular when I was in high school. I don't know about you, Peter, because we're, you know, the same exact age. <laughs> but I don't know. Was Fallout Boy big for you, like freshman and sophomore year of high school? Or do you remember? I don't really know much about Fallout Boy, so I, I, I want to say yeah. 
Um, I think I know more than I think I do. I just remember they played a couple of the big songs, like that song Dance Dance, at like school dances and shit. Mm. So I'm like, okay, they're obviously popular if they're playing them at school dances. But I, yeah. I, I actually like Fall Out Boy. I like some of their later stuff. I like the song they did in Big Hero 6, Immortals or whatever. Oh, that's right. So I don't know. I, 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 I like their sound. But anyways, the reason I picked this song is because the song's called What a Catch Donnie. And it's very highly speculated that this is a reference to Donnie Hathaway, even though the name is spelled slightly different. Um, oh, okay. Reason being is Donny Hathaway was a famous, as we've talked about, soul singer and songwriter who killed himself by jumping out of a hotel window in 1979. Um, the lead singer of Fall Out Boy, whose name is... Do I have it written down? Pete Wentz. Um, kind of battled with his own demons and depression and stuff, so I think he related to mm. a lot of the stuff that Donny Hathaway went through. Donny Hathaway... It came out that he suffered from severe schizophrenia episodes that only increased before his suicide. Well, his last uh, couple of sessions, like recording sessions, had to be canceled, right? Because, like, because he was he, just... He just lost it, yeah. He, yeah. He, he literally said that people were out trying to hook his brain up to, to a machine so that they could steal his music and kill him. That's some, that's yeah. some messed up stuff. But, uh... So... The artist, the uh, uh, lead singer of Fall Out Boy, Pete Wentz, kind of admitted that he actually went through depression and actually had his own suicide attempt. And in this particular song, he's drawing parallels between his life and that of Donny Hathaway, both successful artists who had kind of, you know, hidden demons that were slowly eating at them. Hmm. Um, and the relationship that Donny Hathaway had with Roberta Flack, which we chronicled in many previous episodes, they were like super close friends. Um, can Pete once kind of saw a parallel between that and his relationship with bandmate uh, Patrick Stump. And in the middle of the song, um, What a Catch Donny, he has lyrics that say, quote, I will never end up like him. Behind my back, I already am. Keep a calendar this way, you always know. Um, so it's uh, it's like Pete Wentz is saying to, to his friend Patrick, quote, I'll never try to kill myself again. And then it goes into the chorus um, of the song. All I can think of is the way I'm the one, no, you're the one who gave up on you. It's mm -hmm. basically like kind of, is it, it's, it's a, how do I say it? It's like a back and forth between him and his friend Patrick and what Patrick would have said to him in in the after discovering his attempted suicide so Interesting. basically saying like you know you gave up on you but I won't give up on you huh so kind of interesting yeah. um it's nice to see artists actually opening up about deep stuff like this you know because yeah. I'm sure a lot of artists battle stuff like this because fame and all that shit can really really fuck with your head so having someone be so open about like suicide attempts and depression and stuff is pretty pretty cool i guess yeah i mean for like for people listening who may you know struggle with that kind of stuff exactly you know, may get encouragement exactly um plus i like fallout boy because their um band name is a reference to the simpsons is uh, it yeah uh okay you know the old simpsons episodes the uh the comic that bart and millhouse would always read radioactive man yeah yeah well in a couple of episodes they tried to add in a uh sidekick 
called Fallout Boy. Fallout being like radioactive Fallout. Right. And there was an episode where they were doing a Radioactive Man movie, and they were doing a casting call for Fallout Boy. So Bart and Milhouse and all the kids from school uh, tried out for the role. Bart thought he was a shoo-in. Milhouse kind of really didn't even give a shit. <laughs> and Milhouse ended up getting the part, so then Bart was like super jealous and blah, blah, blah. But Milhouse ended up hating, you know doing the actual filming of it because it was like grueling and shit so it's kind of like the grass was always greener Bart was so jealous of him for having this role but Milhouse was mm-hmm. like miserable doing it anyways so, so that's that's, my, that's where the name com- comes that's, from that's that's where the name comes from yes. I didn't know that fun facts yeah I don't I, I always thought that was cute I'm like oh I, I I get that Fallout Boy Simpsons yay so it shows how contemporary of a, of a band they are I think they started in like maybe the late 90s at best Mm-hmm. if not later than that but yeah they were super big when I was in high school and now they've had kind of a resurgence again with uh, they have that song like I know what you did in the dark or something and then they have that song that was in Big Hero 6 so mm-hmm. they're kind of making a comeback which is nice you know 10 years after their popularity that's kind of cool so yeah good stuff um, so I think we should let our listeners hear what a catch I think song is uh, pardon Thus concludes our list of songs that reference other singers. Yeah. I hope you learned something today. If nothing else, the things that we hate. <laughs> if nothing else, you understand all of the things that I bitch about. Oh, there's plenty of things we did not even touch on. Touche. That you can bitch about. I should do, I should just do a side splinter podcast just called like Kyle's Bitch Corner. <laughs> Instead of like oh. Pee- Pee-wee's Playhouse, Kyle's Bitch House. That, 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 that sounds like that, a horror I was going to say that kind of sounds like a horror house. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I'm Dolph. That's amazing. <laughs> Did we, I forgot, I totally forgot about this. Did we want to um, talk a few minutes about the new Pop-Tart flavors coming out? Oh yeah. So when you sent me that, I wasn't incredibly clear are these out now or are they coming out i think they're coming out and uh, because i was very sad when i went to the target and didn't see any of them <laughs> i hope you went for other things no, as well no i did not peter <laughs> thank you um context for our listeners i don't remember which episode it was but within the last 10 5 or 10 we spent like the first 15 20 minutes talking about pop tart flavors for some reason mm-hmm. and they just announced that they're releasing some new ones, so we need to update that conversation. Yeah, there's like, um, it says here there's five new amazing top Pop-Tart flavors that are coming out. Uh, we will list them. Hopefully, within the next couple of episodes, I will be able to have taste tests of these and be able to give you actual feedback. Um, <laughs> some of them sound good, some of them sound horrible. So, the ones that I'm seeing, one is Chocolatey Caramel... Which sounds... I don't know. I don't know whether that would be good or not. I like the combination of chocolate and caramel, but I'm not sure how that would combine with the overall texture of what a Pop-Tart is. If you Yeah, know that's my concern. Now, the one that I am most excited for that sounds horribly awful but is uniquely American is maple bacon. 
It literally has like little flecks of bacon in the frosting. Uh, because I, I America. I don't know how to feel about that one. I didn't they make like bacon flavored Lay's or some shit recently? They You know they're doing like the Lay's flavors every year now. Yeah. I did get to try the all, all the ones from this year and the one that ended up winning that I did like was biscuits and gravy. I didn't have, have that one. You have no idea how much this thing tastes like biscuits and gravy. It is like freaky. And it actually won. People liked it, so. That's funny. Uh, well, I, I don't think chicken and waffles ever won. No, because that did not taste like chicken and waffles. That tasted like the devil's asshole. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> You're welcome. That's um, true, though. Another one that sounds kind of good, but again, I'm curious about the combination of flavor with Pop-Tart texture is frosted watermelon. Now, watermelon sounds good. You know, like when they had the original flavors, they had strawberry, they had blueberry, but it was like an unfrosted tart. Yeah, I kind of wish they were doing unfrosted watermelon. Thank you. Yeah, watermelon seems like it would be perfect for that. But considering the fact that I don't even think they make any that are unfrosted because it's the sugar that hooks the children. Um, they have this weird green and pink frosting on it. I don't know. I'm curious. But what would, I would be dope, I would try it. what would be dope is, you know, you can freeze Pop-Tarts. This might be one that's ample for freezing because pop, watermelon, cold, summer, all that uh, shit. Yeah. Now there's another one that's I didn't really understand why it's so special, but it's like spring stra- frosted strawberry. I don't know what this what the difference is between this and regular strawberry. Um, it seems like well they have like white frosting on top and then they're like printing comics on it. Okay. Which I I think that's what's making it limited edition. I see. From what I can tell. I see. Uh, but that's dumb because I don't like the frosted ones anyway. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind frosted strawberry, but I I generally prefer the unfrosted because I'm old school. Yeah. Now, another one that sounds kind of good that they're coming out with is uh, Pink Lemonade. Yeah. Now, the only reason I say this is because my cousin, who loves to bake, made these really dope Pink Lemonade cupcakes. That You know, like when you get, the, you get the Pink Lemonade powder, right? You can make it yeah. with the powder. She literally, like, put the powder in the cupcake mix or whatever, and somehow, I don't know if she used water or how what magic she did, these cupcakes were, like, moist as fuck. So they literally tasted kind of like a cupcake soaked in pink lemonade. I kind of want to actually it was make really that. Good. It was really good. Yeah, if you could, like, Google that shit, it actually yeah. was probably one of my favorite cupcake flavors I've ever had. Wow. So, because of that, this has gives me promise for this new frosted pink lemonade pop-tart if it's of similar deliciousness now this is one step beyond what i'm what i tolerate because this is like the frosted but it's also got like the flecks of more sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar (laughs) and that's like where that's where i personally draw the line the only the only reason the flecks may be good is if it's like kind of almost like lemon zest you know but i don't know what their consistency is it's like lemon sprinkles is it like is it like lemon zest where it's more flaky? I don't know. Time will tell. I guess but Yeah, so. it, it appears that all of these um, flavors are being rolled out starting in this December through spring of 2016. Mm, so, okay. unfortunately, it will be some time before I get to try these, but we will be sure to update you on their deliciousness or non-deliciousness. Because 
we are fat fucks who like to eat sugary shit. <laughs> Well, um, I don't. I don't buy pop tarts. So oh, you don't. I thought you. We were just talking about the unfrosted. You don't even eat the unfrosted anymore. Well, no. I mean, I'll I'll have one once in a blue moon, but I don't like. Buy them yeah, like that's it. true. I don't buy them with any regularity, but occasionally I would just say like, "Hey, I feel like pop tarts," and I'll buy a box. Hmm. So I, I I understand you. I don't eat it like every morning because I'd be I would die. All right. Well, that's enough for pop tarts and for our show for this week. <laughs> Kellogg's, please send us money because we're advertising for your goods. Yeah, even though he said terrible things about that one of them tastes the, like the devil's asshole. <laughs> hey, any exposure right. is good exposure. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, that was Lay's potato chips. Fuck Lay's. I don't want their money. I want Kellogg's money. Kellogg's probably owns Lay's. Probably. Yeah, all the companies own each other nowadays. So, so yeah, um, this was our episode on artists uh, featuring artists featuring pop tarts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, but we won't talk to you there. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can find us on overmental.com. And you can f- uh, follow us on SoundCloud. And that's it. Yeah. Until next time, this has been Funk Radio. And this has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Pew. Butter. Ha, <laughs> <laughs>